Good evening, folks, and welcome to Corbett Report Radio here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you as every single weeknight right here at 11 p.m. Central, all the way from my home recording studios, all the way in the western part of Japan. So halfway around the world for most of you who are listening to my voice right now, and it's actually 2 p.m. in the afternoon on Tuesday for me. Of course, it's Monday night for most of you back in North America. So once again, wherever you are and however you're listening to me tonight, thank you once again for tuning into the broadcast. And thank you, as always, for tuning into Corbett Report Media. I truly can't do it without, without all of you out there and all of your support and all of the email and feedback and comments and questions and criticisms and ideas and tips and all of that that comes through on the contact form of CorbettReport.com. Truly, it is all appreciated, and it is way more than one human can possibly handle. So you'll forgive me if I don't get back to you individually, but I truly do appreciate all of that that's coming in each and every day. So on that note, let's go through this week on Corbett Report Radio, because again, I have some interesting stuff lined up for this week. And let's go backwards, because why not? On Friday night, we have, of course, the Friday night highlight edition of this broadcast, where I go through the archives of CorbettReport.com to bring you some highlights from the CorbettReport.com archives, some previous articles, interviews, videos, podcast episodes that I've done uh, over the past five years now at CorbettReport.com. And on Thursday night, we will be having James Evan Pilato of FoodWorldOrder.com. He was not on the program last week. But he will be back this week, I believe, and that's the plan anyway, and we'll be talking, of course, about all the latest food, health, and environment issues. On Wednesday night, we have Madison Rupert of EndTheLie.com, and those long-term listeners of Corporate Report Radio might remember that we had Madison on last month to talk about the police state and the NDAA and uh, the drone wars that are happening in the United States right now and a number of other issues. And I got a lot of positive feedback about that conversation. Madison is really on top of the news, and EndTheLie.com is a great place for a lot of different news and information on a daily basis. So I hope you are going there to check out the latest news and headlines. And on Wednesday night, we will have Madison on the program to talk about all the latest developments, including what's going on in Iran right now as the Strait of Hormuz heats up once again and the drums of war continue their incessant beat as we look, perhaps, to be heading towards another conflict in that extremely volatile region. And uh, we'll go over some other headlines with Madison on Wednesday. And then tomorrow night, we're going to be talking to Andrew Gavin Marshall, and I'm sure that some of you out there will be already familiar with Andrew and his work. Uh, he was uh, formerly uh, an associate with the Global Research Center for Research on Globalization at globalresearch.ca. Um, he's currently working on something called the People's Book Project, and he is the brand newest member of the Boiling Frogs Post team at boilingfrogspost.com. Sibel Edmonds news and journalism website that's becoming more of the hub for independent media that I think she's always envisioned it to be. And you might know that I, myself, contribute to BoilingFrogsPost.com with my weekly eye-opener video reports. And now uh, Andrew Gavin Marshall will be doing his own weekly podcast at BoilingFrogsPost.com. So uh, he is the newest member of Boiling Frogs Post team, and uh, there's now two podcasts, my video reports, Paul Jamiel's editorial cartoons, 
Sibel Edmonds' nightly uh, editorial news updates and uh, and frequent guest articles by all sorts of different people. So if you have not tuned into BoilingFrogsPost.com yet, you really have to. It is becoming more and more a resource for people, and we're trying to build it up through subscriptions and uh, memberships. So hopefully if you like the media that's coming out of there, you will support it and keep it commercial-free and free from all of the, that entangling support of the corporations and the foundations and all of that. At any rate, tonight, no guests for this evening, so if you want to get in on tonight's program, it's 1-800-313-9443, and we're going to be talking about 2012 and the year to come. Welcome back to the broadcast, friends. James Corbett here, CorbettReport.com. You are tuned into Corbett Report Radio. And tonight we are going to go over 2012, the year to come. What is going to be of this year and uh, what can we make of it, probably more importantly. So if you want to get in on tonight's conversation and uh, tell everyone about your ideas about 2012 and what you think the significance or lack thereof of the coming year will be, you can get in on tonight's program at one 800 Three one three nine four four three. That's one eight hundred three one three nine four four three. We can get you on the air and to get your thoughts. But uh, I hope you have a pen and paper because I have quite a few thoughts of my own and uh, some interesting articles and things that I wanted to share with you tonight. So let's get straight into it. Um, Twenty twelve is being called a number of different things, and uh, so let's go through some of the more interesting articles that I've found so far. Uh, basically trying to predict what this year is going to be about or the the theme of the year. And, of course, this is all, to a certain extent, an arbitrary exercise. And, no, this doesn't mean that I put any particular faith or meaning or, or uh, if significance or importance to just another day on the calendar because that's all basically January 1st, 2012 is. It's just another day on the calendar. But as we sit here on the 9th, the night of the 9th of January 2012, and looking forward at the year to come, it at least gives us some pause uh, to reflect on what's come before and what we can potentially make of the year to come, and uh, a lot of interesting and sometimes worrying developments coming up. So let's start with an article from blacklistednews.com. It just went up on the 8th of January, so just yesterday. It's a t- called 2012, The Year of Living Dangerously. And I suggest you go and check this article out. It's an extremely interesting one, and it sources from a website called The Burning Platform. And it was interesting. It was only as I started to read through this article that I suddenly, it dawned on me that this was actually an article based on one that was written last year that I actually referenced in my podcast. So if you go back to my podcast episode 170 called The Coming Anastrophe, it's about, uh, well, it's basically about It's a Wonderful Life, and I basically took that movie as the basis for an idea of mine about how uh, catastrophe can be this sudden and horrific rendering apart of everything we've known. Well, anastrophe could be the exact opposite, the coming together of some new system in some beautiful, spontaneous way. And I tried to put that uh, case together in episode 170 of the Corbett Report podcast available, of course, for free download, as with all my other podcasts, at CorbettReport.com. And in that, the end of that episode, I mentioned an 
really, totally, truly fascinating article that I really hope that you'll go and take a look at. It came out in December 2010, and it's called, Will 2012 Be As Critical As 1860? And it's about this really interesting idea that was, I guess, put forward a couple of decades ago by a couple of researchers, uh, some historians, who put together an idea called the fourth turning. And it rests on the idea that every political generation of about 20 years uh, has with it its own its own set of developments, its own unique history, but it slots into a sort of a winding staircase, a cyclical history that repeats over and over in certain set periods. And every generation is part of this turning, and there's the first, second, third, and then the fourth turning, and then the whole thing starts over again. And the fourth turning is uh, a time of great turmoil, of chaos, of war, of, of something new being sort of born. And, uh, and if you go back in history and you take a look at these 20-year periods that make up each turning and then the 80 to 100-year periods that make up the, the whole cycle of the four turnings, you start to notice there really is a pattern that's, that's manifested itself throughout American history, at least, if, if not further back in history. So you can see, for example, the American Revolution happened during the fourth turning of a generation that started around 1700, and it started to, to manifest around 1773, and, uh, and in, in this theory, around 1794 was the, the end of that fourth turning and the beginning of the first turning of the next uh, cycle of this, uh, this great turning of, uh, of history. Uh, the Civil War was about 80 to 100 years later, 1860 to 1865, was the fourth turning of the next generation, and that culminated in the Civil War and, uh, and all of that, that turmoil that was happening in the United States at that time. And then a new generation came along after that, after the uh, ending of that war, and the fourth turning of that political generation, of that political life, was the Great Depression, which happened about 80 years later, 1929 to 1946, the Great Depression and World War II marked the fourth turning of that political uh, lifespan. And then, then began a new one that started in the 1940s and is coming to a head right about now, according to this cycle. So about 70 to 80 years later begins the, the fourth turning of this current lifespan. And, uh, and here we are, smack dab in the middle of it, 2012, uh, what this article, which again was posted on the burningplatform.com way back in uh, December of 2010, predicted would be the 2012 election cycle. It would be a, a time of great chaos and turmoil potential civil war, all sorts of things. And uh, it, it made some, well, not, not particularly bold predictions, because I think in 2010 it was already quite clear that 2012 was going to be an, a pivotal year, at least for the election itself. But, uh, but certainly it did posit a lot of interesting ideas, and I noted it at the time, at the end of that episode 170 of my podcast. This is an interesting article. You should check it out. And uh, along comes uh, January 2012, and uh, lo and behold, here's another article from that same uh, website, The Burning Platform, called 2012, The Year of Living Dangerously, basically picking up on that theme. So um, let me just read a little bit uh, from this article for you. It's actually just the opening. Um, it's by those historians who came up with the idea of the fourth turning. They're called Strauss and Howe. And, uh, and the article starts with just a quotation from their book called The Fourth Turning. In retrospect, the spark might seem as ominous as a financial crash, crash, as ordinary as a national election, or as trivial as a tea party. The catalyst will, will unfold according to a basic crisis dynamic that underlies all of these scenarios. 
An initial spark will trigger a chain reaction of unyielding responses and further emergencies. The core elements of these scenarios, debt, civic decay, global disorder, will matter more than the details, which the catalyst will juxtapose and connect in some unknowable way. If foreign societies are also entering a fourth turning, this could accelerate the chain reaction. At home and abroad, these events will reflect the tearing of the civic fabric at points of extreme vulnerability, problem areas where America will have neglected, denied, or delayed needed action. So once again, that's from the uh, historians Strauss and Howe from their book, The Fourth Turning, which was actually published in 1997. And way back then, they were already predicting that this this exact election cycle, the 2012 cycle, would be the fourth turning of this latest uh, political lifespan. And, uh, and things would be coming to a head then. And they made some predictions about what would be coming in the decade ahead. And a lot of them have come true, including a lot of the tumult and turmoil and chaos and disorder that uh, that is really the mark of every fourth turning in this uh, in this conception of history. And so this article then goes on to talk about some of the things uh, that we're keeping our eye on, especially this year, as so many things, as I've said in the past, seem to be coming to a head in 2012. And so it talks about debt on the road to serfdom and goes through all of the scary statistics and graphs and charts that we're unfortunately becoming almost immune to right now as we start to sleepwalk through this financial Armageddon that really is bringing us to the absolute brink of total catastrophe. And it goes through uh, such things as the unfunded liabilities, not the official government debts, but the unfunded liabilities, which are generally five to six times higher than the uh, the official government debts that they uh, they like to bring out when they're talking about how much debt they owe. And uh, you, you can see the U.S. at 522% of its GDP in, in uh, unfunded liabilities, um, Greece at 875%. Um, just country after country out across the board, just absolutely knee-deep, um, probably sh- shoulder-deep at this point in debt. So really quite a horrific uh, event there. Um, we look at U.S. national debt. There's a, there's a chart of that. There's a chart of uh, personal savings, which shows a, a precipitous decline in personal savings over the past 50 years. Um, corporate pro- profits go through the roof, even as uh, corporate earnings uh, go through the roof. But food stamp participation and uh, the median income for the average public starts to plummet. Um, gains and losses in terms of Wall Street profits and unemployment, um, just absolutely horrific graph after horrific graph. And eventually the the uh, article ends up at something called global disorder, war, oil, and religion. And it starts to talk about the uh, oil resources and how that can be a flashpoint for this coming fourth turning crisis, which is taking shape in 2012, not only in the United States with obviously a very interesting election cycle already shaping up, or what could potentially be an interesting election cycle if Ron Paul actually manages to break through the barrier. Uh, otherwise, it'll be a boring Romney-Obama sleep fest, which um, will amount to absolutely zero significance whatsoever. But perhaps that in and of itself could be the trigger for the, this fourth turning crisis as people start to realize that there truly is no choice whatsoever in the electoral system. And uh, that can be a time of uh, great upheaval, which could, as I always say, be a good thing or a bad thing. It really does depend on what we make of it. So, again, I really do hope that you'll go and take a look at this article. Of course, I will link this article up, as well as that previous article uh, from December 2010 by the theburningplatform.com. 
on the show notes for today's broadcast. So once again, you can always find that at, at CorbettReport.com slash radio within a few minutes of this uh, uh, broadcast going up on uh, in the archives. So I really hope that you'll go and take a look at this. It's an interesting idea, and I'm not sure I completely subscribe to it. Um, it just because it's happened a few times in the past does not mean that it's an ironclad law of history. But there, it, there, it does seem to be something to it. This idea of the fourth turning and the 80 to 100 year crisis, uh, I guess, rising wave and then depleting tide. So we'll we'll come back as we continue taking a look at some more ideas about 2012 and the potential significance thereof. Once again, if you want to get in on tonight's program, 1-800-313-9443. We'll be right back right after these messages. Broadcast friends, James Corbett here of CorbettReport.com, and we are going through 2012, the year to come, what it will be or what we can make of it at any rate. And we've gone through an interesting article that, again, I hope you will check out on the burningplatform.com called The Year of Living Dangerously. So that's one idea of what could come this year, a year of the fourth turning and the next great crisis in, in American history and perhaps in world history. There are certainly a number of things that are adding up right now to suggest that that's where it's going. And we often talk about the economic collapse and, and all of the very worrying signs about what's happening in the euro and the, the dollar and all of the other currencies right now that are beginning to tank and become as worthless as the paper that they're printed on. And, uh, and again, even though it is a phony system that's based on phony ideas, when it gets destabilized, very, very bad things happen in the real world to real people, which is why it's uh, not a good thing. We shouldn't be cheering on the collapse. Um, it's something that we have to be very concerned about and trying to take whatever measures we can to guard against that collapse and uh, or at the very least shore ourselves up against it. And I saw a very interesting article that came out in uh, January of t- 2005, actually, on The Telegraph, but uh, I thought it was particularly interesting in the way that it highlights what could uh, unfortunately become the case in country after country as we start to see austerity measures implemented in the name of cutting government costs, when, of course, the governments really just have the ability to print the money out of thin air, but they actually cede that ability to a bunch of private banksters in order to pay them uh, interest on the ability to print their own money. It makes no sense whatsoever unless you're a bankster and then you know how the whole system works and how you gained control of the world. And here in uh, Germany, actually, on the Telegraph, they had an article, well, the Telegraph is a British newspaper, but they had an article about Germany from January 2005 uh, called, If You Don't Take a Job as a Prostitute, We Can Stop Your Benefits. And it says, uh, a 25-year-old waitress who turned down a job providing sexual services at a brothel in Berlin faces possible cuts to her unemployment benefit under laws introduced this year. Prostitution was legalized in Germany just over two years ago, and brothel owners, who must pay tax and employee health insurance, were granted access to official databases of job seekers. And this article goes on to say that because under German welfare, well, welfare laws, 
the German government can tell you you have to accept a certain job offer, you have to at least apply or, or try to get a job from this or that uh, service. They actually made this woman say uh, whether or not she would uh, go for an interview with this brothel, and because she was not interested in doing it, she, they said she was not uh, eligible for unemployment. So literally, I mean, this is the face of austerity, austerity if you need a human face to it. It's a 25-year-old woman, a waitress, who can't find work anywhere else. So the German government says, you either take a job as a prostitute or we don't pay your uh, uh, welfare checks. I mean, just that is that is exactly why big government is the menace that it is. Because the more power that we give to big government to do anything for us and to take care of us and to, to wipe our nose after we sneeze and to, and to do everything, tuck us into bed at night, is also the power to give them to dictate anything that they want, even ludicrous things like this, saying to a waitress that you have to take a job as a prostitute or we will not pay your welfare checks. So to me, that's really what we're t taking a look at when we start to consider the idea of austerity and the year of global financial collapse. I mean, what does that really look like? Well, it looks like real humans who are really suffering because of the, well, not even the wanton ways of the banksters, but because of a system that has been engineered. It has been designed in order to collapse. And more and more, it looks like we are living through the days when we will see that collapse. And there are different time frames for that. And no one knows the hour or the day of the next uh, Great uh, Depression or the Great uh, Stock Market Collapse or whether it's already occurred and we're just living through the, uh, the doldrum be before the, uh, the real, uh, the real uh, consequences of that really strikes us. Uh, who can say? I don't know. Uh, greater minds than, than myself have, have talked about this, and they come up with conflicting ideas. People who listen to my interviews with Bob Chapman every Monday on CorporateReport.com will know that, uh, that Bob thinks that 2012 will be basically a sideways year as they continue to pump trillions in through uh, phony, basically, QE3 and QE4 and whatever they don't want to call it next. Um, they'll just continue pumping the, the economy along sideways, and he thinks that 2013 will be a much worse year. And then there are others who think that it's definitely coming to a head this year. Certainly, I don't know, and I can't say, but all I know is that uh, that there is a purge coming in the system, uh, financially speaking, and who knows how that's going to happen. And unfortunately, along with precipitous declines in the stock market and great economic crashes, often comes war. So war is very much another thing that may be on the cards for the year 2012 as we slip into turmoil and instability and military buildup in seemingly every single region of the globe. And I've been trying to hammer this home in some of my recent video reports for Global Research and uh, Boiling Frog's Post that, that really just region after region is becoming ensnared and inflamed with these military tensions on a scale that really was unthinkable in, in really pretty much any era of history. Even during the Cold War, there was some idea of the stability of the two powers counterbalancing each other. But here we just seem to have an absolute naked grab for power, as much space on the chessboard as possible for each player. And uh, we all know where that's heading, unfortunately, unless we can do something to stop it. So once again, if you want to get in on tonight's conversation, talk about 2012, your hopes, your fears, whatever you want to talk about. It's 1-800-313-9443. We'll be back right after this to talk about some more ideas for 2012. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. James Corbett here, CorbettReport.com on Corbett Report Radio, and tonight we're talking about 2012, the year to come, and what we can make of it. So I will be getting through, going through some more ideas from different sources and different articles, but we have a caller on the line, so if you want to join us as well, of course you can get in at 1-800-313-9443, but let's go straight to the caller. We have Raf from my hometown of Calgary in Alberta, Canada, so Raf. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. What's on your mind? Hi, James. Uh, sorry, I got a bit of a cold today, so I might sound a little weird. Um, just calling in to say um, I think there's a really good video out there on that uh, website you promoted once, uh, topdocumentaries.com, and it's uh, called uh, Zeitgeist um, Moving Forward. And I watched it the other day. It's quite long, but it's really good and uh, kind of goes through everything you're talking about and sort of how to fix things and where we go from here and all that. So, uh, well, I don't, be, won't waste too much time. But Sure. Well, well, thank you for that. But to be clear, I'm not particularly a fan of the Zeitgeist idea. Certainly I'm familiar with them. And there, for people who don't know out there, there's uh, been three movies, I believe, so far on the Zeitgeist uh, uh, theme. And it's promoting a resource-based economy and magical plastic cities built by robots that will rule over everyone wonderfully. Uh, personally, I'm not a big fan of that idea. I think it's a, a lot of uh, pie-in-the-sky stuff and some dangerous utopian thinking, and people who want more on that can see my video, Last Word on Utopia. But as with every idea, I am not here trying to sit on a golden pedestal telling people what to think. I, I suggest that they do it for themselves. And uh, any idea that people want to come together and organize around spontaneously and voluntarily I'm 100% for, and I wish them absolutely nothing but the best of luck, and I truly do mean that. I truly do hope that uh, they can create a better system, just as long as they don't come along with their re-education camps for me, which uh, unfortunately <laughs> is the way things like that tend to work out. But uh, but how about well, you, Raf? What do you think about for the coming year? Oh, well, actually, James, I just want to comment on your last statement there. Um, I agree with you. There's, there were some parts in that film that I kind of, was wondering about, and uh, now that you put it into perspective for me, I, I kind of get it now. But there were other parts in there that just talked about, like, human beings and our environment and sort of how we're made and how we're shaped and what, and it kind of woke me up to a lot of things in my life that I really didn't have answers to. I never took a psychology course or nothing like that. So it's kind of interesting. Um, and as far as 2012, i got to agree with... Um, um, I'm sorry, Bob uh, Chapman on that one, too. I mean, I think it's a lot of fear-mongering. It seems to be, you know, this is the new Y2K or whatever else, you know, and uh, scaring the sheep, I guess, to do what they want them to do. Uh, the only thing I do wonder about, and I think I emailed you about it, too, is um, I really wonder, though, with the silver and gold thing, like I do invest in silver, but I wonder, um, you know, who's going to accept that? Are the sheep going to accept that when the time comes and the money does collapse? Like, you're still going to have to go to a bank, right? And uh, is it something Well, not necessarily really a bank, but yeah, people would at least have to be informed enough about bullion and about what the value of gold and silver to be able to to participate in some sort of economy transactions. So it's only as good as the as the knowledge of the people that you're working with. So I think you're right. I mean, it's not just that that gold and silver is some magical thing that everyone understands. I mean, it's it's something that people have to 
have to understand at some level and there has to be some negotiation. So it's not, even if there was a collapse, it's not necessarily going to be the, the savior that, that a lot of people are, are told that it will be. So, so I think you're right. I mean, there's some, some very big problems with that. And I, I think you're also right that there's a lot of fear mongering going on around 2012. And I think the Y2K analogy is particularly apt with the, uh, 1221 coming up. Oh my God, the world's going to end. And then when it doesn't end, of course, we'll just be told that uh, that it was just off yeah. by a year or whatever it is to send it down the line another few months, as as happens with every failed prediction. So, um, so there's no winning well, with things and, like that. You know, there was a video that I got linked up to in about mid uh, mid 2011 there, which was an old um, uh, Leonard Nimoy um, science one. Something I can't in remember the name of. of it. In search of, yeah, that's right. And it, and it was talking about October 2011, you know, this rock would come and, and that was the Mayan calendar. They explained that was the Mayan calendar then. Now this film was made in the 70s and I can't remember right, when. Right, but right. I saw that too. I saw that too. And then when it didn't happen, of course, you know, we'll just Yeah, now it's that. gone, right? You don't find yeah. it no more. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, there's something to be said and I'm not a major religious person or nothing, but it does say in the Bible there too that uh, no man shall know the day or the hour and I think that makes the most sense. It makes sense to me. I think uh, whatever is to come, I don't think it, it even if it, even if we there was some way of, of thinking about it, I mean, what's the point in worrying about some vague thing that's going to happen to the universe that we have no control over? Um, I mean, I think we just have to concentrate on the world that we're living in and let the universe run itself, I guess. Uh, for lack that's of right, and what if the end comes in 100 years from now, but it... Exactly. Uh, you know. <laughs> and we spend our entire lives worrying about this yeah. thing that we'll never even see, so... That's right, and then... Then it's time to die, and you didn't do much in your life, right? But worry. Exactly. And how many generations before have been suckered into the same thing? So. Yeah. I, yeah. Exactly. I won't waste too much more of your time. I'll let you get to other callers. But uh, thanks a lot, James. Happy New Year to you. All right. Appreciate it. As always, Raf. Always good to hear uh, from my hometown of Calgary. So, um, so it's good to have you on. Well, let's continue on with some of the more uh, of the ideas that uh, that other people have put forward for 2012. Uh, we looked at 2012, the year of living dangerously. Well, on RT.com at the end of 2011, there was this article: 2012, year of the world government, and uh, it's it. It's an un, there's no, uh, there's no author on this, but I, I think I know who wrote this, this article actually. Maybe I don't. I, I won't venture to guess on air, but, but, uh, it, it contains the 12 triggers for world government. And, uh, it, it's, it's an interesting breakdown. There, there certainly, uh, is and has been for a long time to anyone who's been listening to, to my broadcasts or anything else in the alternative media. You know that the, Oh, sorry, it does mention at the very end of the article, as suspected, Adrian Selbucci. So this is Adrian Selbucci, who, writing from uh, Argentina, who I've had on Corbett Report before. And he wrote this article for RT, going through some of the signs of the uh, the world government that we know has been on the agenda for decades and uh, and is really coming into view now and has been ever since the, uh, the beginning of the Lehman Brothers uh, spark for the latest round of the economic collapse. So the 12 triggers for world government, according to this article on RT, Number one, financial meltdown. Number two, economic crises. Number three, social upheavals. Number four, pandemics. Particularly interesting, by the way, because I just put up an, a video uh, just uh, a couple of hours ago on youtube.com slash report. Scientists weaponize bird flu. Governments remain biggest sponsors of bioterror. Talking about an interesting story that prop- popped up at the end of last year about some scientists that were going to publish some research about how they weaponized this uh, this bird flu to make it the most lethal 
possible. It's extremely easy to transmit between uh, between humans. And they were going to publish their results, and the U.S. government came along and told them, well, you can't publish that. I mean, it could be used for bioterrorism. So now there's this big brouhaha about what the scientists can or can't publish, and and there's uh, there's a big scientific debate shaping up right now. And, of course, what's being left out of this debate is that, of course, governments are the biggest creators of bioweapons and biowarfare and bioterror. And every time there is a spectacular, huge scale breakout like the anthrax uh, attacks of 2001, of course it sources back to the U.S. government and their secret military research. So so that being what it is, number four on the triggers for world government is pandemics. Number five, global warming. And, uh, well, think of that what you will. At the very least, the uh, the global warming idea certainly does give the uh, the, the people who are want to do so the excuse to form more world global governmental systems uh, number six terrorist false flag mega attacks let's certainly hope that there are none of those as we have worked so tirelessly over the past 10 years to try to expose that absolutely essential part of the of the new world order system the false flag attacks which really does and has for so many, so many generations uh, furthered uh, their political agenda at every opportunity by staging attacks to blame it on their enemies. But hopefully we've done some work in hopefully breaking that uh, that that magic trick and discarding that ace up their sleeve. Uh, number seven, again, this is the triggers for world government, a generalized war in the Middle East. Number eight, ecological or environmental accidents, in quotation marks, like the uh, Chernobyl, Fukushima, Deepwater Horizon, Exxon Valdez, whatever you want to put in there. Number nine, assassination of a major political or religious figure to be blamed on an elite enemy. So that would be a type of false flag, a false flag assassination. Number 10, attacks on rogue states like Iraq, Bolivia, and then Iran, Syria, Venezuela, North Korea, who's next? Uh, Staged religious event, that's an interesting one. The growing need of the masses for meaning in their lives makes them easy victims of a Hollywood-staged 3D virtual reality hologram show orchestrating a second coming. And that might sound really whacked out and out there for people out there who are just hearing that for the first time, but for people who know about the types of technologies that they are working on and have been working on for a long time to do all sorts of things, including hologram projections and including being able to to beam sounds literally directly into your ear from long distances and that's just the things that they're openly using in in uh, advertisements that they have in in uh, in Times Square or uh, that they use on, on vending machines here in Japan, where they literally beam sound directly into your ear, so you're the only person there that can hear this. And and uh, it's not a big stretch from that to some sort of wide scale implementation of that technology to the idea that you're hearing the voice of God and whatever other circus sideshow stuff they can come up with to stage the the second coming or whatever it is. And that leads right into number 12 of these triggers for world government, staged alien contact, which again sounds ridiculous, but it's not coming from from myself or from RT or any of these uh, alternative media figures. It's coming from the horse's mouth over and over again. And uh, for people who didn't pick up on it last year, there were things like uh, Paul Krugman, the Nobel Prize winning economist. And unfortunately, uh, Nobel has uh, really just... It become an, a kind of a dirty word since, uh, since well, Obama and other such lowlifes have uh, been honored with that uh, that title. So take it for what you will. But Paul Krugman and others came out last year saying, "Well, an alien uh, war would be great for the economy." I mean, you can't make that up. He said that on CNN. So uh, really, quite bizarre. 
And uh, we've seen things like uh, the Catholic Church coming out and saying that they would baptize aliens if given the chance. And, and just uh, a lot of weird, strange things like that. So you might have heard uh, James Evan Pilato talking about that on New Year, New World Next Year, the final edition of New World Next Week for 2011, where we talked about uh, the coming trends for the year. And he said staged alien contact might be one of them. I think I tend to think he's right. I mean, they certainly have been setting that stage for an awfully long time. So who knows when they'll pull the trigger and stage some sort of weird alien contact event in the name of putting world government together. But as James Evan Pilato also points out, and as I didn't really know, uh, it was uh, one of the, uh, I think it was Werner von Braun, the uh, the Nazi, the transplanted Nazi in the NASA, NASA program, who came up with the idea that, that or, or discovered the idea that, that there was the stages of, of forming the world government that would go through the Cold War and the setting up of that enemy, and then through an era of terrorism, and then through an era of uh, rogue states, and then through an era of threats from asteroids, and then finally an era of an alien invasion threat before arriving at world government. And I guess the idea was that all of this was really just kind of staged and and pre-manipulated behind the scenes, and it was all just part of a very long-term plan to bring in world government. So... So again, take that for what it's worth, but uh, but it certainly so far seems to be pretty much what we're uh, seeing as we see the the death of the war on terror paradigm and the beginning of the rogue state paradigm with uh, with Syria and Iran now getting into the crosshairs and uh, it just continues to spiral out of control. So we'll see what happens on that front. Finally, let's go to another uh, very interesting article talking about uh, more of a geopolitical bent on 2012. Uh, it says, enter the year of the Taliban. And uh, this is from asiatimes.com, uh, atimes.com, that is. And it starts by saying, quote, no matter what the Chinese may say about 2012 being the year of the dragon, this is going to be the year of the Taliban so far as the United States is concerned. The new year began with an exciting media leak by senior U.S. officials in Washington that the Barack Obama administration was considering the transfer to Afghan custody of a senior Taliban official, Mullah Mohammed Fazl who has been detained at the U.S. facility at Guantanamo Bay in Cuba for the past nine years. The officials claim Fazl might be released or transferred to Qatar in response to long-standing requests by Kabul as a confidence-building measure intended to underscore to the Taliban the U.S.'s seriousness in engaging them. To be sure, the Obama administration is raring to go. Just about four months are left for the summit meeting of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization in Chicago, an event showcasing Obama's leadership of the Western Alliance, and that he can lead from the front, embedded within his unpredictable re-election bid. The summit is expected to focus world attention on the Afghan situation. With the Europeans caught in existential angst due to their grave economic crisis, Obama needs to use all his charm on his NATO colleagues not to ditch him in Afghanistan. For that, he needs to convince that he is leading from the end of the dark, leading them to the end of the dark tunnel. The Chicago summit cannot afford to fail as happened with the two events leading to it, the Istanbul meet on November 2nd and the Bonn Conference 2 on December 2nd. And this uh, this goes on from there. For people who haven't been following this, there's been uh, growing international meetings and, and summits and events that have been trying to decide the fate of Afghanistan and that the security of that region generally as we approach the supposed 2014 pullout of, the, of NATO from Afghanistan. And really, who knows how or if that's going to happen. But for people who haven't been following this, it's an interesting story. And this article goes on to talk about how the Collective Security Treaty Organization 
basically a, a, a what looks to be a type of regional security organization that consists of Armenia and Russia and Tajikistan and Uzbekistan and the like. And uh, and it, basically, this organization has come out with a new rule that uh, that they are going to not allow milit- foreign military bases on their territory without the approval of the entire uh, board of the, their security organization. So so that creates a huge problem for America that has bases, for example, in Kyrgyzstan and other strategic points. So for people who haven't been keeping their eye on that region generally, sort of Central Asia, South Asia, and the, the larger regional concern of what's going to happen in Afghanistan as 2014 approaches and the pullout approaches, uh, there's been some really interesting things going on there. And this this article starts to go into that. So... Another interesting thing to, to take a look at as we look into the year to come and see what's coming up. Of course, we all, we're also pointing out at the end of 2011 that there's been a lot of a lot of moves and a lot of uh, media hype and buildup coming on the uh, the Asia Pacific front from uh, uh, Obama's visit to Darwin, where he announced that uh, the Marines were going to be starting a permanent military presence in Australia. That's going to be seen as an encroachment on the Asia-Pacific region and an attempt to sort of beef up American presence there as the South China Sea and that entire area becomes much more important. And China has been making its own uh, overtures and military buildup in that area. So that, maybe not this year, but certainly in years to come, one could see the entire Asia-Pacific area becoming much more of a, a player in the global geopolitical stage. So... Again, we'll have to see what comes of that, and uh, and it's well, it's going to be an interesting year geopolitically. Of that, I have absolutely no doubt. At any rate, we're approaching the next break. So as we uh, uh, go out to break, uh, once again, if you want to come in with your final thoughts, one eight hundred three one three nine four four three. And I see we have one caller patiently waiting on the line, so we'll get to him right after this break. Friends, we're back here in the closing minutes of Corporate Report Radio here on this Monday night edition talking about 2012, the year to come, and taking your calls and your ideas. And we have Chris from Las Vegas on the line waiting patiently. So, Chris, thank you once again for calling in. And what's on your mind tonight? Well, you uh, usual, James, are inspiring my mind to rove around the contemplations, as you usually do, and we do train along the same tracks together, and so I'm going to opine about a few different considerations. Let's uh, talk about your swine flus and uh, biological hazards, and let's consider maybe there being a, we're being conditioned and programmed to be accustomed to seeing all these chemtrails, since I'm getting reports from all around the country of manifest distributions of them in all sorts of major metropolitan areas so that we become casually inculcated or acclimated to the appearance of them and don't give them a second thought. The same injection, induction, venturi, atomization, distribution stratagems can be employed to disseminate all sorts of biohazard or viral components of terrorist weapons being administered from the air to take out masses of people without very little notice or warning. 
Well, unfortunately, you're exactly right with that, and that's something that I, I don't see a lot of people really understanding or acknowledging in the alternative media or, or when I see comments on the topic. A lot of people understand that chemtrails can be a vector for all sorts of bad things getting into our bodies, but what if they're just at this point being used, as you say, for conditioning, and they really could be used at any time for the implementation of whatever plan they have up their sleeve for a mass kill-off if they had to do it in a hurry. So you're actually absolutely right on there. I think... That that is such a key issue that that always gets overlooked because it's just always there and people are just always seeing it in the skies. Unfortunately, well, they've got several different new strains of flus, incorporating the aspects of the eighteen uh, hundred Spanish flu and several new versions thereof that they've improved upon to make them a lot more virulent and deadly. And of course, that's under DHHS and DHS. Interestingly enough, this week there was an article that uh, many didn't notice uh, from uh, WashingtonExaminer.com on uh, the President Obama's new State Department announcement of the creation of the Bureau of Counterterrorism, which coordinates with the U.S. entities, such as the Department of Homeland Security, of course, the new SS for America, and the foreign governments to develop civilian counterterrorism strategies and operations. Let's mm -hmm. also consider that we've had quite a few of these uh, co-opting or taking command and control of some of these drones, and they're being assimilated throughout America at other locations also, and those could just as easily be used to do any methodologies of dissemination of all sorts of virulent components, poisons, uh, radiation, anything they wanted to put in those things and fly them into, drop them out on a dime. Again, unfortunately, you're exactly right. The attack vectors uh, just keep to, keep increasing as the technology keeps advancing, and really, the, the left field event could come out of left field. I think we can't possibly predict where it'll come from or how it'll be done, but it certainly could come at any time, and it's something that we have to understand and we have to be ready for once that, if it comes, once it comes, that we really do have everything in our power to, to know what's really happening and to do it ourselves. Because uh, when they start cutting the Internet and all of that, who knows uh, basically if you'll either even be able to hear my voice or if we'll be able to communicate in any way. But again, that's, uh, that's a possibility, something we have to think about. But I don't want to leave it on that note. No matter what is coming for this year, 2012, we have to understand that not just this new year, but every single new day is a chance for us to continue forming the communities and the relationships and uh, forming the uh, the places that we want to make in our own communities. So on that note, I'll leave it there till tomorrow. Good night. <laughs>